done The kindness of your heart The kindness of your heart Never failing in the night In your presence I will find The kindness of your heart The kindness of your heart
talk for a few minutes about the text that changed my life. A real text, not a text of scripture, but a text on my phone. And I'm not being dramatic when I tell you that this text changed my life. Not a week goes by in the years since I got this text that I don't think about this text. You ever gotten a text like that that was so powerful? Somebody spoke something so powerful that you still remember it. I could probably scroll back five years and find it but I still think about it multiple times in a given week. And it changes the temperature and the direction of my life every single week. It's amazing how God is gracious like that to bring truth into our lives just at the right time. Uh, we're talking in this series, even though I will, about defiant faith. We're talking about a kind of faith that when life 
closes in. The faith doesn't deflate. It actually inflates even more. And that sounds kind of backwards to, to us, but every time we turn a page in Scripture, we find people who are in circumstances and situations where you shouldn't have faith. Daniel is in a lion's den. You're thinking, that's the night your faith is going to deflate. I'm just trying to follow God. I'm just trying to honor him. I'm just trying to be obedient to what he's called me to do. Now I'm going to be dinner for the big cats. God, how, how, how have you put me in here? How, how did this all work out? What, what were you thinking? Did you not hear me? Why didn't you answer my prayer? I thought you were for me. I thought that you were on my side. And look, here I am. It must not have been true all along. Must not be who you say you are. No, Daniel is in the middle of it all saying, I believe God can close the mouth of the lion. But if he doesn't, I'm still going to praise him. I'm like, how do you get that? How do you have forged in you that kind of defiant faith? We talked about midnight in Philippi, Paul and Silas in the stocks, inner prison, in the middle of the night, beat up for their faith in Jesus Christ. This is where faith deflates, right? Hey, we were just on a mission trip. We were just trying to honor you, and this is what we get for that? No, they said about midnight, they were singing hymns, of praise to God. And all the prisoners were listening. And I look at Paul's life, Silas' life. I look at all of the people who are my heroes in the story of God in Scripture, and all of them came up against, even though I will moments, Noah, even though I've never, ever, one time seen it rain, I will build a boat. Last week, even though war break out against me, I will be confident. Habakkuk, even though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the fields produce no food, even though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stall, even though, even though, even though, even though, he says, yet I will rejoice in my God how do you get an even though I will faith? Not the faith of the normal Christian who believes in God and the sunshine, but sort of wilts under the pressures in the night. And I believe we've seen that it has a lot to do with where we have our focus and what we see. Today we see another even though I will. It's one of the most famous verses of scripture, if not Besides John 3.16, the most famous verse of Scripture in the Bible, and it's in Psalm 23, and this is what it says in verse 4. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Isn't it amazing that these even those, they're right there in the text. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, we have people in the room tonight who are walking literally through the valley of the shadow of death, real death, like the loss of a loved one, a burial, a funeral, grief, and loss. 
So we know that this is a part of our story, that we are going to walk through the literal valley of the shadow of death, but you may be walking through some other death right now, the death of a relationship or of a dream, or you tried to get into this program or into this school and it didn't work out, or you were going for that internship and the thing, the thing turned right at the last minute, or you thought that that person was interested in you, but it turns out at the last minute, they just wanted to be friends. And there's a death of a lot of things in our lives. The death of a business deal, some of you guys or ladies were trying to close on. The death of the dream to have a son or a daughter of your own. Maybe that window seems to have closed. There's a lot of times that death comes into our story. And so we can identify with David when he writes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death where there is real danger, there's there's real danger lurking around every single turn. But he said, even though I walk through that valley, Look at the next line. He says, I will, there's our our will, I will fear no evil. Even though I will, even though I will, even though I will. You could just flip the words a little bit. Even though I walk through a very, very dangerous season, I will not be afraid. How do you say, even though I'm walking through something that could take me out, I'm not going to be afraid? The answer falls right into our lap, he says, because you are with me. You are with me. Imagine if we could really get our heads around that today. You are with me. So whatever you're walking through right now, this is the good news. Not that God's just going to help you. That's not the whole message. Oh, you're going through such a hard time. I'm going to pray that God will help you. You're going through struggles. I'm going to pray that God will help you. I think sometimes what God wants us to do is take a step beyond that and say, you're going through a a really challenging season right now. I just want you to see that God is with you. That he's with you in the darkness. He's with you at the grave. He's with you at the cemetery. He's with you when you're sitting at the table now by yourself. He's with you when you receive the news. He's with you when the phone call came. He's with you when you're sitting on the chemo ward. He's with you in the storm and in the wind and in the trial. He's with you in the famine. He's with you in the valley. He's with you. God Almighty, your shepherd is in it with you. I believe this is game-changing revelation, and it changes our prayer life. We don't pray, Lord, I'm in, I'm in a storm. Help me. We pray, God, thank you that you are in this storm with me. How are we going to do this? And it's a shift. It's a complete shift of life. Even though I walk, I will not be afraid. Why? Because you're with me. And if that's not enough, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In other words, I get comfort from the fact that you've got a staff that guides me and a rod that will beat the living daylights out of anything that comes against me. They're like, oh, wait a minute, I thought we were talking about Jesus. You know, meek and mild, the the, the robe and the sandals and the beautiful hair and how soft he speaks when he talks. And, you know, he's just a wonderful meek and mild one. Oh, you know, he's always got the prayer hands going. And, you know, no, 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 no. Shepherd. Shepherd. He's got a staff to kind of poke and prod and guide, you know, because we've said it many times here, but when we are referred to metaphorically as the sheep in this text, it's, God's not paying us a compliment. <laughs> you're like, what do you mean by that? Well, he's not going, oh, you're so cute and cuddly and woolly 
and wonderful. And when you, <laughs> it's so cute. Oh, you're so cute, my little sheep. Now he's saying, uh, you don't see good. And you're not real swift. And you can't fight. I mean, you know, a little bit, you know, of that, but that's about all you got. You, you sometimes get your wool hung in the briars under the tree and you can't get out and you starve to death. Some nights you just go, oh, look, we're all in the pen. I'm going to go this way. Hey, I wonder what's over here. I'll just check it out. I'll be back in about a month. Why did Jesus say that you had to leave the 99 and go to the one? Because there's always one who's going good pen, good shepherd, safety, security, night watch. He wasn't saying, you guys are so awesome. He was saying, I'd like to lead you. That's going to involve a few great things. I'll make you lie down in green pasture. This is how helpless I am. That my shepherd has to make me lie down in green pasture. I'm not even smart enough to do that by myself. He says, I'll lead you beside quiet water. Hello, anybody want to be led in this room? Anybody need any leading? He said, I'll lead you. He said, I'll restore your soul. Anybody like any restoration? Anybody? Anybody like any restoration? I'll, I'll restore you. I will guide you. Anybody looking for guidance? Hello, we just solved all the world's problems and we're not even past the very first few sentences in the promise. I'll make you lie down. I'll lead you in your life. I will restore whatever you need restored in your life. I will guide you however you need to be guided in your life. And I'll guide you in these paths of righteousness for my namesake. And even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you shouldn't fear any evil because I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death with you. I've got a, a staff to guide you and a rod to protect you. And I hope that they bring you comfort, more than southern comfort or something in a bottle or something that you can take at night or some other thing that you go to to feel okay about the fact that you're going through a valley. I hope you'll take comfort in the fact that I'm right there with you and I've got what you need to protect you in the midst of the valley. I hope that brings you some comfort in your life tonight. And then he goes on to say that's not the end of the promise. Here it gets a little interesting and we're going to drill down just for a moment. He says, I'm going to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I'm going to anoint your head with oil so much so that your cup is going to overflow. In other words, you're going to be the person who's not only got enough, you're going to be the person that's got more than enough. And he said, and then I'm going to follow you around if that's okay. Do you mind if I just follow you around? I'm going to follow you everywhere you go. I'm going to follow you this year and next year and the year after that and next week and the week after that and this season and the season after that. I'm going to keep following you with goodness and with love. Goodness and love. I'm going to be right there behind you going, I love you. I love you. You keep on going. I love you. I love you. I'm with you just letting you know that I love you. I I want you to know that I've got goodness for you. I am here cheering you on until you come to rest in my house that I have prepared for you forever. Would you like to be led by a shepherd like that? This promise is not just needlepoint on grandma's pillow. 
although my mind goes there pretty fast. Anybody, like in a frame over the dining room table? The Lord is my shepherd. Took somebody about seven months to do that. Don't go there. Come here and understand that Jesus is in the room right now offering you all of that. He's offering us all of this promise tonight. And our opportunity in this room is to say, no, thank you. I will lead myself. Or no, thank you. Somebody else is leading me right now. They're offering me the promise and showing me the way and telling me how it works. And I'm depending on them to get me to still water and green pasture and to do good things for me. Or we can just say, you know what? I, I need all the things that you're offering. So I'm going to surrender to your leadership tonight in my life. And I love zeroing in on this verse 5 because our, our message is, even though I walk through the valley, I will fear no evil. But there's a beautiful twist here. And he says, you prepare, my shepherd, a, a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, we would have written that different. I, I believe most of us would have written that different. In fact, I think if you really think about it, a lot of us haven't really thought about it because, A, if I had written it, I would have said, you lead me through the valley of the shadow of death. I, I probably would have said, and we're never going through the valley of the shadow of death. Thank you so much, shepherd, that you're going to lead me other ways all the way. And then I would have written, and thank you so much that you wipe out all my enemies. Wouldn't, you, wouldn't that be your Psalm 23? I am so glad that we do not go through valleys and we don't go through shadows and we do not go through death and I thank you that you have wiped out all of my enemies. That would be one way to write it. The second way, the more obvious way to write it would be, and you prepare a table before me in your presence. This is what we want, right? Get me out of the valley and into your presence. Eject me out of the circumstance and just get me with you. I just want a table with you in your presence. He said, no, I got a better idea. I'm going to do a table with you, but I'm going to do it in the presence of your enemies. I'm going to bring my presence, my person at the table with you in the presence of your enemies while you're surrounded, you and I are going to sit at a table together, and this is going to be the most amazing gospel of all. You're like, I'm not sure I bought into it yet. Well, there's a big why he did it this way, and we'll say it in just a moment. But before we get there, let's talk about the table just for a second. Um, I don't have time to go around, so um, we'll just come down. Hey, it's, it's like two feet, nine inches. But thank you for the confidence. Here's the table. It's a table for two, and the beauty of it is, is it's showing us right now what our relationship with God is all about. He didn't say, I'm going to prepare a table before you and put a manual on it, just read it. He said, no, I'm going to put a table there for us, and when he said table, that meant something to the mind of the person in the time of the 23rd Psalm, because they lived in an arid environment. They lived in a desert climate. And so a table with food and drink and cool water, these were 
precious commodities and to put a spread out for somebody was the ultimate act of hospitality and generosity. So God is showing us he doesn't have a scarcity mentality. He has a generosity mentality. And even when you're surrounded by enemies, I'm going to prepare a table before you. I'm going to put a spread out for you. Now, you're not my enemies, okay, that I'm aware of. And if you are, let me know later. Send me a note. Slip it up onto the table. But you're not my enemies. But for the sake of this message tonight, you're my enemies, okay? You're surrounding me. You're all the bad people in my life. You're all the people out to get me in my life. Anybody got anybody out to get them in their lives? You're all my people, okay? So watch out because I can see you back there. These are my enemies. So he says, you're surrounded by pressure, circumstance, situation, diagnosis, divorce, family collapse, internal struggles, depression, anxiety, addiction, a relationship that went bad. Somebody's cutting you down. Somebody's spreading rumors about you. Somebody's trying to undermine your best effort. Whatever it is that's pressing in on you, he says, I've prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. This, my friends, is what following Jesus is all about. It's about a relationship with him. Everyone in the room may not know all the songs we sang or why. And everyone in the room may not know much about the scripture and why. And everyone in the room may not know much about Jesus and why. But every person in the room knows what this is. Everyone knows what this is. And this is what God is dreaming about for you. Not over here, hey, let's get out of, out of this place, man. Hey, grab a piece of fruit and let's get out of here because that looks hard and difficult and challenging and we don't need any of that. Let's just get over here and get a table over here in my presence. He's going, no. Put the table right here. Would you like to sit down? He's like, would you like a cup of cool water? And I say, yes, and I'll serve you one because why wouldn't I? <laughs> the problem is that at the table for two, it's possible that someone else will get to your table. I told a story, and I always feel terrible telling it, but I'll tell it anyway. Um, <laughs> When Shelly and I were having a birthday dinner at a restaurant in another country, we had planned it for a while. We ended up in this place. It was perfect, and we loved it. We were at a four-top table, and, uh, but there was just two of us, and some people were leaving, and they came by, and as they were leaving, a person kind of looked a few times, and I said, I think that person recognizes us, and so uh, a young man walks over to the table and said, hey, are you Louis Giglio? And I said, yeah, I am. He said, I thought you were. This is crazy because... I was at a conference that you spoke at a few weeks ago, and man, God really spoke to my life. And I've been thinking for a couple of weeks now, I want to talk, excuse me, <clears throat> I want to talk to that guy. He wasn't choking, but I am. <laughs> and I said, well, that is so great. How amazing that God spoke to you. That's incredible. Thanks for telling us that. And I love some point to hear, you know, what God's done in your life. Kind of like awesome, great. He said, great to meet you. And off he went, chilling. I'm like, man, what an amazing life we live. About 10 minutes later, I see him coming back in the restaurant toward the table. 
Do you see this coming? Do you see where we're going here? No? Do you see where we're going? You're like, you're looking right at me. Yes, I am. You're just sitting right by my table. Here, would you like something? Here, let me just, this is, I know, distracting some of you guys. That eclair is ridiculous. And, oh, it's too bad. It's just a cucumber. We didn't lose anything important. Jesus doesn't need a napkin. He'll, he doesn't mind sharing. There you go. Have this eclair. It's really amazing. It looks phenomenal. Share some of it with those people. That are here, have one of these. There you go. These people are like, the Lord lives. God has answered my prayer. This is phenomenal. I haven't eaten since I had that Subway sandwich on Thursday. And so I'm thinking, did he leave his glasses or his phone? No. Comes to the table. He says, we got outside. And my friend said to me, was that Louis? And I said, yeah. And they said, oh, my gosh, haven't you been wanting to talk to him? And I, and I, and I said, yes. And they said, this is the Lord. This is God. You've got to go back. You've got to go talk to him right now. And he said, I didn't know, but I thought, well, maybe I should. And so um, the Spirit led me back in to talk to you. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know. It says, test the spirits. And so I thought, I've got an easy out, though. I, it wasn't that we were trying to be punks. It was just, I, I thought, okay, I've got the easiest out in the world. I said, oh, that's great. But it's my wife's birthday, and we're having her birthday dinner. That's the easiest out in the world, right? And he says, happy birthday. And then he proceeds to start his story. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is going to be really awkward. And I do. I do check my heart really fast, and I'm like, God, I don't want to miss anything here. Am I missing anything? He says, no, you're not missing anything. I'm like, great. Okay, give me grace and give him grace. And so eventually he takes a breath after about 10 minutes and he goes, so what do you think? And I'm like, I don't know. I haven't heard anything you've said because I'm freaking out over here because I don't know what to do. And I said, well, maybe I, I'm, I'm not sure if I said it or not, but it's my wife's birthday. Second time's going to work, right? And finally he's looking at me like, like, What, you want me to go? I'm like, yeah. 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 Thanks for stopping by, though. And I did. I said, email our, our church and, and let me know your story. I'd love to hear it. It's not, you know, birthday. I, it was amazing how fast a guy we didn't even know was almost at our table. But that's not the point. And that guy, I changed all the details on that story, so you don't know anything about that story. You don't know if it was in a foreign country or not, or if it's a he or a she, because I changed all the information on that, because I don't want anybody to feel awkward if they ever hear this. So that's not the important part, but if anybody felt a little nervous just then, think about this. Think about how fast the devil gets at your table. God's prepared a table for two. It is amazing how fast the enemy just casually comes up. Hey, mind if I sit down? How you doing? What's going on? How you feeling? I'm good. How's the relationship thing going? Oh, man, I'm telling you what. I don't even know how you're in it right now. I don't even know how you do it. It's like, nah, 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 all the time. Everything's your fault. Your fault. Everything's your fault. I'm like crazy. Man, you're hanging in there, though. Way to go. Amazing. 
How's everything at home? <laughs> well, your dad is a deadbeat, bro. I could have told you that. You mind? <laughs> Jennifer, I'll watch out for her. She's going to take you out. You know what she said to Bethany? <laughs> you hear about it? Woo! As soon as you left, I mean, everything's great. You were there, right, 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 right. You walk out the door, and I mean, that she just tore you apart. She just looked at you and <laughs> I watched you back. Does that feel real? And in two seconds, he's at your table. Your shepherd prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. And before you knew it, the enemy was at your table. You're like, uh, okay, but how would I know if he was at my table? A couple of ways really fast. Number one, if you've heard recently that it's better at another table than this table, then the enemy is at your table. Jesus said in his own words, John 10, 10, the enemy comes, the thief comes. He called him to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. This table is about life and life to the full. Any other table is about stealing, killing, and destroying. And the enemy is not going to come to your table. He's not dressed in a red suit with little things on the top and a pitchfork going... Man, that even scared me, man. I don't even know what happened. It was terrible. I'm sorry. Did that scare you? I'm sorry about that. I don't know what happened. Whew. Bless me, Holy Spirit. He's not going to show up at the table and go, hey, would you like me to gouge your right eye out or your left eye out? No. No, he's going to sit down looking all cool. Looking like what you're looking for. Looking like what you're looking for. Sounding like what you're listening for. Telling you what you want to hear. If you need a guy with a job, he's got a job. Nice little crisp button down blazer. Short cut, not too short. High pants with narrow legs, some good-looking lace-up shoes, little stubble, but not trying to make a point. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> but it spoke to somebody, touched somebody. He's not going to come to the table and tell you he's trying to kill you. He's going to come to the table and seduce you. But if he's telling you, you need to leave this wife because better over there with her. If he's telling you you need to abandon everything you know about truth and go do your own thing for a season because that's going to be what you want. Then I'm telling you, the enemy is at your table. 
I'll tell you a second way you know he's at your table. If you're hearing this in your head, I'm not good enough. Now, this is crazy to me because I'm thinking we're all in here. We're in worship. We've sung these amazing songs to God. He's chosen to come and meet with us today. We're having a phenomenal time. But there are people sitting in this room, probably 25 feet from me right now, who are living life behind the eight ball, and it's all they know. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not influential enough. I've never measured up enough. I've never done enough. I'm just not good enough. And if you've heard that voice, the enemy is at your table. You say, well, how would I know that? Because the very next line, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Translation, Jesus gave his life so that he could sit at this table with you. Making this reservation cost him everything. And I wonder tonight if you would come and sit at this table and eat his food and drink his drink and look into his eyes and reciprocate his love and say, my goodness, you must think a lot of me to have gone to the lengths that you did to prepare this table in the presence of my enemies. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So if you're a sheep, maybe it's not a big compliment, but the fact that the good shepherd gave his life for that sheep is a great compliment because it tells you you are loved, you are prized, you are valued, you matter to God. A third way that you know that the enemy's at your table, we'll just do two more really quickly. If some voice has told you you're not going to make it. Anybody? We repeat it. How you doing? I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Why would we say that? I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. I don't know if I'm going to survive this. Anybody said that recently? I don't know if I'm going to get through this. I don't think I'm ever going to be the same. I don't think I'm ever going to recover. Maybe in your mind you're thinking, I'll never get back to where I was. It'll never be the same as it was before. I'm not going to get through this. And some of you are probably thinking in real terms, I honestly, literally, Louie, don't know if I'm going to make it through this or not. I've been contemplating my options. And if you're thinking like that, the enemy is sitting at your table. He said, well, how would I know that? Because the shepherd didn't say that to you. The shepherd said, we're going through this valley. We're going through. We're going all the way through. And we're going to have a story to tell on the other side, me and you are, about how in the middle of the pressure, in the middle of the enemies, my shepherd led me all the way through. I'll tell you a third way, or the last way, the fourth way you know the enemy's at your table is if you've heard that voice that said everybody's against you. Anybody heard that voice? Everybody's against you. Everybody hates you. All your roommates hate you. Everybody in your class hates you. Everybody in your family is against you. Everybody at your job hates you. I somebody not too long ago, no kidding, and they were like, yeah, I'm quitting this job because everybody there hates me. I was like, man, I didn't know. I didn't even know you worked there. I thought you worked at such and such. She said, no, I left there. Everybody over there hated me. I was like, hmm. I'm like, Where are you from again? You told me. That, How long have you been gone from there? A little while. Man, I had to get out of there. My family hated me. Ex-wife hates me. Time out if that's maybe just you. It's, not, it's a different message. But maybe, um, maybe it's you. 
Because it's possible that somebody hates you, right? Anybody? No? No? Wow, you guys have got it good. <laughs> but it's not likely that everybody's against you. But it is likely that if you're hearing that and operating in it, that you got your dukes up. You got your wall up, right? 45 feet high worth. And don't think about coming over it. Because I may look a little meek and timid, but I'll kick the ever-loving daylights out of you if you come across that wall. Because I got my dukes up. And I'm going to punch you before you punch me. Or I'm going to get out of here before you punch me. I'm going to walk away before you punch me. I'm not even going to get close enough that you can punch me. Because I know everybody's against me. That enemy, man, he just sat down and he's like, man, it must be rough being you. It must be hard being you. Everybody against you and everybody's trying to get you. And Here, would you like the tart? Awesome, isn't it? That looks so good. Yeah. Here, let me get that for you. There you go. Yeah. Feels good, doesn't it? Tastes good. And all of a sudden, you're over here believing something that isn't even true and missing what is true. That those who are with you, 2 Kings 6, are greater than those who are with them. And all of a sudden, God opens the eyes of his servant, and you see angels and chariots and horses on the hills. And you go, man, I may be surrounded by enemies, pressure, circumstances, but God's got us all surrounded. And not only does he have us all surrounded, the king is at my table. So there was a season of life that I was feeling some pressure and talking too much to the enemy, probably letting him influence my thinking too much. I texted a friend to sort of pour out my heart who I knew had my back. I like talking about this. You need somebody, right? No, Jennifer, she's got my back. <laughs> Not, that's great. Jennifer, we love you. You're awesome and amazing. Until you decide you want to do something else. That's never happened, though. That the person that had your back decided to stick you in the back. That's never happened, so we don't have to worry about that happening. But even in that... Jennifer, thank you. You're awesome. I love you. I, I know you believe in me. I know I can count on you. I know you can keep confidence with me and you'll pray for me. But come on, you cannot go to bed tonight feeling good about life and comforted in the fact that Jennifer's got your back. She's five foot six. She's not all seeing and all knowing. She weighs 139 pounds. I mean, that's what she's telling everybody. Too personal. <laughs> Can I just say this to us tonight? 
He has got your back. God has got your back. So I pour out this text. I'm a terrible texter. It takes me 30 minutes. It's this long. I know, and I believe, and I know you'll believe, and I know that you see it, and I know that you understand, and blah, 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 blah. And I hit send, and I'm waiting, staring at the phone. You know that text that you send, and you're just going to stare until you get something back. If it takes a week, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to stare. Nothing's coming back. And finally, the little thing starts moving. I'm like, all right, it's about time. And I'm looking for something equal proportion to what I've poured out. This is a rule of texting, by the way. Do not have me pour my heart out in a text and say, pound it, bro. I'm like, can you not even type a word? I get a text back, and I'm like, that's certainly not all of it. Maybe he hits send too soon. There's something else going to come real fast. Or maybe he's one of those people that, you know, sends you every sentence. You know, don't you love that? You're like, hey, man, just get in a paragraph, send it. I'll, I'll process it, send you something back. I'm going to realize nothing else is coming. And I'm like, that's it. That's it. That's that whole text right there. The whole text is right there. It's nine words. And then I looked at the words, and everything changed. That text changed my life. It said, don't give the enemy capital E-N-E-M-Y, a seat at your table. And I went, man, I need to take the boxing gloves off. I need to stop looking over my shoulder. I need to stop trying to manage all the outcomes. I need to stop worrying about what other people are doing. And I need to realize the king of the universe is sitting at a table with me. And I let the enemy sit down at the table and convince me of things that are not true. And I just took that text to heart. And in my mind, I just said, you may prowl around. That's what you do. The scripture says you prowl around seeking someone to devour. I can't stop you from prowling around, but I can tell you this in the name of Jesus. You may prowl around, but you can't sit down at this table. Oh, come on, church. We've got authority in Jesus' name to claim what Jesus has provided for us. And you've got that authority to say, look, I can't stop you from prowling around, but you cannot sit down. Just like the shepherd did. When he came to his table, why don't you, you want to turn a rock into bread? That tastes amazing. He said, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone. Don't you think you're sitting down at this table? And our shepherd in another place said, get thee behind me, Satan. No, sir. Not this table. This is the table my shepherd has prepared before me in the presence of my enemies. We're closing. Why in the presence? Why, why in the presence? Because what gives God glory more 
than you sitting in the middle of it all and going, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Instead of coming into work tomorrow and fighting everybody, I'm going to bring a fruit board. Hi. How y'all doing? Have some grapes. Take the whole bunch. Yeah, don't try to pluck one off. That's just annoying. Take the whole thing. Have some fruit. How are y'all doing today? Y'all doing good? Everybody have a good weekend? Hi. How are you doing? So good to see all you guys. The enemy tried to tell me y'all hate me, and I decided I'd get a fruit board. Hey, how's it? You don't have to say that. Hey, how's everybody? Here, hold your hands out, bro. Have some blueberries. There you go. Amazing. I can't eat all this. Y'all already got snacks earlier. This is my cup overflowing. My head is anointed with oil. I have the reflection of my shepherd on my face. I don't have your reflection on my face. I have his reflection on my face. I'm not looking over my shoulder at you. I'm looking straight at him. And I'm telling you something. I'm okay at the table with my king. I am okay at the table with my shepherd. Yes, it's a storm. Yes, it's dark. Yes, it is long. And yes, I've got enemies, but I'm going to be okay. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid. I'll fear no evil because you are with me. Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. You have the power as a son or daughter of God in Jesus Christ to exercise that defiant faith. And tonight it could just be a whisper. You may not be ready to shoot up and go get away from my table. It may just be a little whisper that says you've been stealing from me too long, eating my food too long drinking my drink too long. And every day that I've entertained your words, entertained your thoughts, I'm having a conversation with a killer. And I say, get away from my table. I'm not even worried about you getting away. I'm just going to focus on my shepherd and lock eyes with him. And I'm going to listen to every word that comes out of his This is